Oh, Santa, uh, Santa Claus uh, is taking money and drinking. And he's drinking alcohol. <laughs> They're from New York. Dudley Moore, who I have never heard of before this movie. But they advertise him, so maybe he's a big actor. I, th I feel like I have heard that name before. But he's an elf, so maybe he's a small actor. Oh my god. Why? Am I not allowed to say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's funny. I mean, Will, Will Ferrell's like six foot tall, and he was an elf. That's true. He was not small. Oh my god, babe, it's snowing! It's a Christmas miracle! Oh, oh, oh. Grab your candy canes oh, and your friend's oh, oh. password To the streaming oh, oh, service oh. letting the worst be heard From so bad it's good to so bad it gets cold Tragedies on screen! Watching the worst holiday movies you've ever seen Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tragedies On Screen podcast. There are holiday episodes that should not be seen by anyone, and it is our job to watch them all. I'm Mike, and with me, as always, is my beautiful, more beautiful by the day, <laughs> honeybee wife, Jessica. Hey, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And this is episode four of our podcast. And I'm going to pout, I'm going to cry, I'm going to shout, and I'm telling you why. Because we were stuck for Christmas watching the 1985 film Santa Claus. Now, this film is not one that I had ever heard of coming into this week. It's not one that anyone I've ever talked to has ever heard of. Every time I mention the movie Santa Claus, they assume I'm talking about the 1994 film starring Tim Allen, the, you know, much better Santa Claus movie. And I have to correct them and say, no, no, it's the 1985 one. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, never heard of that movie. So the background for this movie is that there was a film studio that was trying to come up with a legitimate big-budget Santa Claus holiday movie. And it they were trying to promote it so much, they actually got Marvel to create a comic based on this movie. And Marvel influence kind of shows in this movie because the first part of the movie is kind of Santa Claus's origin story. And we'll get more on that later. But they actually spent $50 million in budget, which seems kind of insane. Because two years after this movie came out, Back to the Future was released. And Back to the Future, which is a much, much better film, had a budget of only $19 million. So they to market this film as a big budget movie, they tried to get big name actors. So they got Dudley Moore, who was a big comedian in England at the time, and they got John Lithgow to play the main villain. They tried to get Harrison Ford to play the villain, and they tried to get Carol O'Connor, who is best known for being Archie Bunker on All in the Family, to play Santa Claus, but both of them backed out. So I have no idea what they spent $50 million on, 
But they did it. They spent $50 million and tried to make this a big holiday splash, and none of you listening have ever heard it, heard of this movie. And if you say you have, you're lying. I know you are. <laughs> All right. So the plot of this movie... So basically it starts out with the man that we will find is Santa Claus um, and his wife. They don't have kids, but they're all about making toys for the children in their village and just being really kind to kids. Um, And the kids call him Uncle Claus. We can only assume that Claus is like his first name or his last name, something like that. Um, On the way to deliver presents to more children in the village um they have two reindeer pulling their sleigh that can't make it during this huge bad snowstorm and they basically just begin to die like the deer slowly begin to like stop moving and collapse to the ground and the wife kind of faints-ish, and then the husband follows suit, not short, like, not soon after. Um, And so then we have elves coming out of nowhere after this bright light woke everybody up. Um, And basically, they tell them that they've been waiting for Santa and his wife for a really long time, that there's a prophecy that he would come. Nothing creepy about that at all. Right? Um, and the elves then show them around the workshop and where he's going to be sleeping and living. Well, they bring him to like this giant castle looking place and that appears in the middle of the North Pole, which we can assume is Santa's workshop. It's quite beautiful, actually. It's pretty beautiful. Um, and... Then he becomes Santa Claus like we know him to be, that immortal guy that's able to deliver toys all in one night, and that is sleigh and his reindeer fly. And since there's so much work that Santa needs to get done, he begins to look for an assistant to help out. And there are two promising elves um, that stand out that might do well at this job and the one played by Dudley Moore called Patch is super creative super innovative um this movie spans a lot of time from like the 14th century to 1985 I guess when the movie came out I mean we'll talk about later how we don't really know when this movie is supposed to be but yes it's we see on Santa's clock that it's the 20th century, starting from the 14th century and ends somewhere in the 20th century. Santa Claus legitimately has a clock that counts centuries. Exactly, because he's immortal, so. That's true. <laughs> I mean, the way they tell him he's immortal is kind of creepy. They're like, you will live forever. Almost like it's a curse. It's like, oh, God, okay. Exactly. So, so basically, Patch, like, he invents things, um, like, he was doing this new heating system with pipes, when at the time, only people were using fireplaces to heat areas and, and things like that, um, and 
he creates this basically machine that can create toys a lot quicker and with less elves working on it. Um, Santa's super impressed. Um, but Patch doesn't do any sort of quality control or quality assurance. And he doesn't realize that his machine isn't working quite right and that the screws are not being threaded in appropriately. And so, like... For instance, the wheels of bikes aren't actually being screwed in fully. So Santa then delivers these defective toys unknowingly. The kids are basically super bullshit about the broken toys because they break <laughs> immediately. Santa finds out um, that this is happening and goes with the other elf to be the new assistant and Santa was not mean about this. He basically went up to Patch, you know, and Patch handed over his assistant apron to him without even Santa Claus like saying anything like Patch knew he messed up um but he's like upset in himself and kind of upset with Santa because he's like I'm the better assistant and he just leaves the North Pole um so he stumbles upon John Lithgow's toy store or toy company called BZ Toys John Lithgow's character is called BZ and Patch thinks it's just like the best company um, because he sees oh it looks like the toys are being sold at a rapid pace um, but he doesn't realize that actually there was a huge recall on his toys we'll talk about that in a little bit um so in reality BZ toys it's all about making the most money um you know, not caring about what they're producing. Uh, so, like... General capitalism, man. Exactly. Um, so, like, for instance, they're filling panda bears with sawdust, nails, and glass. Because, you know, why not? Let's save a buck on the fluff, I guess. Um, so, Patch thinks he'll get back in Santa's good graces if he comes up with an awesome toy. So, he creates this lollipop that lets you kind of, like, hovers slash float for a little bit um and busy toys ends up giving out these lollipops for free for every child on christmas this was something that patch required by kind of like working with bz um I mean, they didn't have a contract, but they basically that was the deal. And BZ was thinking, you know what? This could work because he had a lot of bad publicity because of the recall on the toys. And also he's thinking, well, you know, I'll give it out for free this one year, but everything afterwards we will sell and we will make money. So, um, so anyway, after these lollipops are a huge success bz wants it to be even better so that way he can make more money and he has patch put in more of this magical dust that he got from straight up cocaine yeah it seems like cocaine if you listen to our live reactions we talk about cocaine a lot straight up cocaine (laughs) it really looks like that just like gold cocaine yeah it makes people fly it makes them really hyper they're able to fly around the world and deliver presents in one night it's cocaine, man. It is. It is. It is. Um, and so basically BZ wants Patch to put more of this magical dust into the recipe so people can legitimately fly, not just like float and hover, but fly. Um, and so Patch makes these candy canes. 
BZ's number two comes to his house at one point, and BZ goes on about how the company is going to completely replace Santa and kind of, like, destroy Santa's whole thing. Um, BZ's step-niece... The weirdest rea- the weirdest relationship ever. Like, they could have come up with anything. They could have just said it was his uh, her, uh, her uncle and his regular niece. Why did they have to go to step uncle or step niece yeah very weird not explained at all i mean i've seen a lot of movies with step uh siblings most of them getting stuck in dryers and all this other stuff <laughs> or building bunk beds so they have more room for activities right mm-hmm, yes. mm-hmm. those are my kind of movies um and so the step niece her name is cornelia and she has this homeless friend joe um, and the two of them overhear BZ talking about how he's going to, like, replace Santa and monopolize Santa, uh, Christmas, basically. So BZ finds Joe after Joe couldn't hold in his sneeze. He kidnaps him, or has his goons kidnap him, and heavily imply that he's going to kill the kid. Um... After Joe is taken by his goons, BZ finds out from his number two that the candy canes explode if they get too hot. Now, Patch doesn't know this because, again, he doesn't do any quality control or assurance, apparently. He still hasn't learned from his mistakes. Yeah, I mean, he's basically like BZ in the sense that he just wants to get it done. Who cares about the quality? Who cares about the negatives? I mean, they're both evil in the same way. Too much capitalism means you want money and you get rid of quality assurance. Too much communism means you just want to deliver everything to everyone no matter the cost and you lack quality. Maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. And maybe that's what this movie is trying to teach us. Exactly, exactly. This whole movie is about which which mode of government is best. Yes. It's just cloaked by Christmas yes. <laughs> and Santa. Um so so yeah, so Patch doesn't know that the candy canes are gonna explode. And BZ is like, who cares? We're making money, sell them anyway. Cornelia hears this and sends Santa a letter letting Santa know what happened and that they need his help. Santa comes, scoops up Cornelia, and gets the scoop, like what's actually happening, gets more of the information. Patch ends up stumbling upon Joe. Um, They must have taken Joe where, like, BZ works, like his office, and that's when Patch was there making more candy canes. Um, Joe is carrying a gift that Santa made for him the previous Christmas, which looks like Patch working at a desk. So now Patch sees that Santa still likes him, even though Santa never said he didn't like him. But he kind of takes this as a sign, as like, oh, I can return back to the North Pole now, and me and Santa, we're all good. And I have these really cool candy canes, so this will impress Santa even more like he's must have heard about the lollipops now I'm going to bring him these better candy canes so he takes all of the candy canes um to so that way Santa can give them away instead of BZ now Santa and Cornelia they know that the candy canes explode and so they're racing to catch up with Patch and Joe and the two pairs they're now both headed back to the North Pole like 
Patch and Joe were headed back to the North Pole because Patch is like, hey, Santa's cool with me, so I'm going to head back there. Santa and Cornelia see them up ahead when they leave Cornelia's house. Um, and so they're basically following them. So the pair are back heading towards the North Pole. Um, Santa and Cornelia are able to catch up with the other two. Their candy canes do overheat and explode the vehicle, the flying vehicle, that Patch and Joe are in. But don't you worry, Santa and Cornelia are able to catch them um, as they fall from the explosion. And all four of them arrive to the North Pole safely, and all is well. Well, you forget that a SWAT team uh, barged into BZ's office because oh, they right. heard that the candy canes were going to explode and that BZ wasn't going to do anything to stop it. So BZ uh, ate a bunch of candy canes and floated away into space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that started the spinoff, Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> exactly. So the number five, uh, the fifth thing that was wrong about this movie. It's uh, John Lithgow's overacting. I mean, I know at its heart, maybe this movie was made for children, but they made John Lithgow's character almost cartoonishly evil. He does that, you know, evil person movie laugh like the ha 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 all the time. And then his overacting when he's talking to Patch the Elf. And Patch says, well, we should give toys away for free. And BZ says, for free! <laughs> like he's shocked and angry and, you know, having a heart attack. And I don't know. It's like when you want to be cartoonishly evil, think of the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit and you have Christopher Lloyd playing a cartoon pretending to be a human, and he does a much, much better job, uh, you know, being a cartoonishly evil person while still not overacting or being stupid about it. And obviously John Lithgow's a good actor. He's been in many big movies, many great movies and TV shows, but this... It was it was stupid. I couldn't take him seriously. I mean, he's always smoking a cigar. Mm -hmm. There are pictures of him in his house where he's smoking a cigar in the pictures, and he always has the same evil-looking look on his face. And, I mean, it, the, the first scene with him in it is him testifying in front of Congress where his teddy bears are filled with nails and glass. So it's basically just beating you over the head with, this is the bad guy. Look, he's not Santa Claus. He's a bad guy. Capitalism is wrong, comrades. <laughs> so I guess number four would be uh, Santa Claus's weird relationship with the children and the fact that the children never seem to age despite the fact that Santa Claus visits them every Christmas Eve for three years and... They look like they're the same age each time he comes to visit. I don't know yeah, if you true. noticed that. Oh, definitely. And so one of the kids is uh, a homeless kid named Joe. And Santa Claus comes to visit him, tells Joe he's his best friend, and they're they're in New York, uh, in some, you know, borough of New York. And Santa Claus comes to visit Joe, and Joe and Santa Claus hang out in Santa's sled, and they deliver toys. And then 
Santa at the end of the night is just like, okay, Joe, back to the streets you get. Legit, though. And I'm flying away in my sleigh back to the North Pole. You try to survive somehow one more year with no parents out on the streets of New York. Not gonna try to get you any shelter or anything. That sucks to be you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And... You know, then at the end of the movie, after probably three years of Santa Claus coming each Christmas Eve to Cornelia and Joe, uh, Santa Claus basically abducts the children and brings them back to the North Pole with his other slave or elves. Um, and he has them live with them then, even though he apparently had the power to do this the whole freaking time. But, you know, we're just going to leave kids homeless on the street because, you know, if you take in one homeless kid, then the other homeless kids are going to kind of want to come home with you. And who has room or time for that nonsense, right? So don't call the authorities. Don't help any of the homeless kids because, you know, you got to pull them up by their bootstraps, comrade. <laughs> to give Santa a little bit of slack, it was Cornelia that asked to stay with Santa just until next Christmas. So maybe that makes kidnapping her quote-unquote a little bit better <laughs> i don't know man taking kids on your sleigh to the north pole i mean every christmas uh you know random parents let their child lit sit on a strange man's lap at the mall so i guess this is the next step from that just saying just saying um the number three Worst thing is that the movie really can't decide if it's going to be like a serious movie for maybe older kids and adults or if it's supposed to be just a kid's movie. I mean, the fact that we start out with the two reindeer, Santa and Mrs. Claus, like almost dying and it wasn't like a quick like oh they look like they're not doing too good and oh here's the elves to save them like no it's a slow kind of like death <laughs> as the snow is just pelting down on all four of them um and this is the very beginning of the movie so it's like okay that's a very serious thing to do um but it's super kiddish in a lot of ways which you know i am to expect when it's christmas movies um most of the time they're more kiddish um which i'm totally fine with love it love it my um, wife loves everything christmas related i really do she is a very holly jolly person i really am i really really am and and so like some of the kiddish things like anything that's like a phrase or a word that has self in it, like self-explanatory, self-improvement, you know, anything like that. The Dudley um, Moore, Patch, Patch who yeah. plays the elf, would always say elf improvement, elf esteem, elf confidence, like all of that. And... Like, okay, maybe you say it once or twice. It's kind of like, all right, or, mad ha, corny, ha, ha, yeah. but get a little chuckle. But it was literally every single time. Like, any time the word self would be there, they would replace it with elf. So that's like an indicator of being like, okay, this is a super kitty kind of movie because that's only the sort of humor that maybe kids would continue to laugh at. And I definitely think 
John Lithgow's acting was more geared to the kitty like like as adults we see it as overacting because we're like okay come on like this is super stereotypical or exaggerated or what have you whereas kids would like being like you know how he's saying how he's yelling how he's drawing out his words or whatever um and so yeah there's this like real back and forth between the movie being like super serious and pretty dark for kids maybe slightly inappropriate for kids um to being like on the whole other end of the spectrum um yeah yeah and at the beginning uh too when santa claus is becoming santa claus they do this really serious scene where they this older looking elf i guess it's supposed to be an elf who's supposed maybe he's supposed to be the older santa claus i don't know he's a dude with a really really long beard to the point where other elves are picking his beard up off the floor for him yeah that was weird this elf is in or whoever this guy is supposed to be is never seen again but it's a very serious and solemn scene where he comes out and announces that claus his new name is now santa claus Kind of like when Emperor Palpatine tells Anakin Skywalker that his new name is Darth Vader. It got the same kind of vibes as that. Um, so Honestly. So, again, it's taking itself seriously, and it's, you know, very solemn and more adult-oriented, and suddenly we go into other nonsense. And so the number two worst thing about this movie is that it is so freaking slow. I mean, the main villain of the movie doesn't appear for more than an hour into it. Yet, John Lithgow, who is billed as one of the stars, doesn't appear until there's only about 45 minutes left in the movie. It's, um, I mean, the first good portion of the movie is just about how Santa Claus kind of came to be Santa Claus. And the elves appearing out of nowhere... Them, uh, Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus going to the North Pole, meeting the rest of the reindeer because Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus owned Donner and Blitzen. Then they get to the North Pole and they meet the other five or seven reindeer. I don't know how many reindeer Santa They have eight total. Oh, so they meet the other six reindeer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and then there's just scenes showing off the... What I guess they spent their $50 million budget on, which is the interior of the North Pole or that castle at the North Pole, which is Santa's workshop, which is just all bright and colorful and, you know, they have toys up and around everywhere. And I guess they just wanted to show off how hard they worked on making that look like Santa's workshop. So they spend a good amount of time there in the beginning of the movie to say, look, it's Santa Claus. I mean, then they do a couple of scenes where elves are just dancing around. And again, these scenes take up like 10 minutes at a time of elves just playing music and dancing. Uh, Again, I think just to show off the interior of Santa's workshop. And so kind of like a Marvel MCU origin story to set up an Avengers you know, type movie later, they just show Santa Claus's origin. Though they did not show how this relates to Thanos, and for that it gets less credit. It just kind of trudges along until finally you get to the point where Santa Claus is like, oh, yeah, so I have to 
you know, fight this guy for the spirit of Christmas. I have to fight BZ to show these kids what the true spirit of Christmas is about, which, you know, has already been done to death at this point. For the first good chunk of the movie, nothing is really happening. That's, that's the best way I can explain that. I agree. I think the most of the time I was just looking at, like, I mean, based off of the budget, this makes more sense now, but things were very beautiful and impressive when it comes to the scenes and the backgrounds. Like, even from the very beginning, um, the house that Uncle Claus at the time um, was bringing toys to, like, just the outside of it, it was it was very beautiful. Like, I, I remember being like, hey, this looks pretty nice. And um, even, like... The reindeer look awesome, even though it's in the 80s. Um, you know, they definitely made reindeers, um, like animatronic reindeers um, is my guess. Um, so they looked pretty realistic. Um, it looked really good. And yeah, Santa's workshop was super impressive. Everything looked like it was actually carved out of wood. Like There was nothing in this movie that I thought looked fake. Uh, like, even the flying was really good. Um, I mean, there was the, like, magical dust. Um, cocaine. Cocaine. Looking stuff that definitely wasn't real. Like, super sparkly, super... Like, that didn't look real. But literally, that was the only thing. Especially in the 80s. Like, I was pretty impressed. Like, there were there were parts of Morbius that looked less realistic. Yeah, I, I mean, the special effects in this movie were pretty good. Um, the, the reindeer looked really good. I mean, it's, uh, what, maybe not Muppets level of quality, but, uh, pretty close. it was pretty close. It was, yeah, I mean, this background, everything else was, was pretty good. So I guess I get why they wanted to spend a good amount of time just walking around the North Pole and looking, saying, Hey, look what we did, but they kind of forgot to put a movie somewhere in there. Exactly. Exactly. So our number one kind of ties in all of everything that's wrong with this movie is just the overall what we call blackness of the movie. Yeah, it's really boring. It's not really bad that you can go tell someone to watch it out of some morbid curiosity, which is pretty much what this whole podcast is based about is watching terrible movies out of some morbid curiosity about how bad movies can really get and i don't think this movie falls on that but it's not good enough for you to put this on rotation in your holiday movies list along with die hard and christmas vacation it, oh god christmas Vacation's the freaking best right. and die hard's amazing too but christmas vacation is my favorite but uh completely agree like literally i don't think it is a bad movie like i would not categorize it as bad um thinking like kind of how we've been analyzing other movies in the past like I just I wouldn't call this a bad movie it's just it's slow like maybe maybe there's a possibility if it was sped up a little bit maybe make some of the areas a little bit more juicier or what have you maybe it would then be considered like a good movie um but it's not. It's it's literally neutral. It's not bad, and it's not good. It's legit right in the middle. Yeah, it's, you know, you're not gonna 
say that this is, you know, Catwoman or something like that. But again, there's no way to convince somebody to actually go see this movie. You can't say it's so bad it's good or it's so bad that, you know, you want to see this to see how bad it is. It's no, nope. It's just kind of right in the middle. And I honestly think that's kind of the worst thing a movie can be. Just because you can make memes out of bad movies. And obviously you want to see good movies. But boring movies are movies that you kind of forget you ever even saw. It's like you remember seeing really good movies. You remember seeing really bad movies. Because you see the title and you say, oh, wow, yeah, no, I remember seeing that. That was really bad. I don't want to see it again. But the ones that are kind of right in the middle of the road, like if somebody brings it up to you, you might say, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. But then you won't remember anything else about it. And then you'll just go on with your day. And I think that's that's what this movie is. But if you go on to Hulu and you read the description of this movie, it markets itself as a Christmas classic. And again, Nobody has ever heard of this movie. Nobody I talked to has ever heard of this movie. Most people I looked at online had never heard of this movie. One person said he saw it and he assumed it was a made-for-TV movie. And obviously that's not the case. They paid $50 million to get what at the time were big-name actors and have a big set set up for this movie. So it's not made for TV, but that's just kind of the overall vibe that it's giving off. Not good enough to be seen, and the people who did see it thought it was a made-for-TV-style movie. So, babe, what was your favorite scene? Okay, so my favorite quote-unquote scene in this movie was when Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, and Donner and Blitzen basically died at the very beginning of the movie. So you've got a movie about Santa Claus. You've probably got a bunch of kids packed into the movie theater like, oh, look, it's Santa Claus. Yay. And then suddenly Santa Claus is basically slave driving his reindeer through the snow. And I mean, he's like harshly yelling at him. He's kind of whipping at him with the reins like, let's go. And it's like this brutal blizzard and the reindeer are pulling the sleigh through the snow, and then the reindeer literally just drop right in the middle of the snow, and Santa Claus gets out, and he starts yelling, I'm like, get up, we gotta go, we gotta go, and then Mrs. Claus kind of moans and yells out like, oh, <laughs> and Santa runs back to figure out what's wrong, and it's she's like dying, And Santa gets back to the sled and is like, well, this is it. I'm gonna die. I'll die with my wife just before the elves show up and save his ass. So, I mean, imagine this. You're in a movie theater with your kid and suddenly, you know, it gets this dark, this fast. And it's his own fault because... You know, when he stops at the first house, the family's like, well, you should probably stay here. It's getting really bad out there. And he's like, no, I'll get through anything. And then, you know, he's an older man, obviously. His wife is an older woman. And they decide they're just going to go hoof it in a freaking blizzard being pulled by reindeer. Um, And only two reindeer. (laughs) Yes, only two reindeer at this time, at the beginning of the movie. And then he realizes, oh, nope. I'm going to die. This was a really, really stupid decision. 
That's my favorite scene, babe. What about you? <laughs> so for me is there's this scene with Joe. Now, remember, Joe's the homeless kid. And throughout the whole entire movie, he's wearing the same outfit, which, I mean, makes sense. He's homeless. He probably doesn't have a lot of clothes, unfortunately. Um, but he's dressed in, like, early 1900s outfits that you envision in England. Like, he's wearing the... The hat, yeah, whatever that cap is called. Um, the newsies type hat. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing that. He is wearing what appears to be like a jacket suit combination. Yeah, and it, like, it doesn't look like he's homeless either because he's it doesn't have any holes in it or anything like that. Yeah, you he what makes it makes him look like that he is homeless is they do kind of dirty him up a little bit. He has the stereotypical gloves with the fingers. Yeah, he's just coming fingers out are sticking gloves, out of his gloves. You know, like right. that, like those sort of things. Um, I mean, his clothes look dingy, and we just we know his home is homeless from the very beginning because of you know how they set up the scene where, um. He's, like, getting food out of a trash can and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so, like, kind of picturing that, he looks like he's in the early 1900s, which Mike and I, as we were watching it, we were thinking, oh, it would make sense. We're in the early 1900s. Like, we weren't questioning what the characters were wearing based off of... Um, you know, what we would see on the screen was that Santa's now in the 20th century. Not saying when. where exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when, what part. And so the scene that was my favorite is all of a sudden we have this stark awakening that it's like, oh no, this isn't the early 1900s. This is 1980-whatever that right. the movie's trying to capture because all of a sudden we see him peering into the window of a McDonald's. Um, and the McDonald's is new. Like, I don't remember when McDonald's actually came about. Like 60s but 60s or 70s. Yeah, yeah, like not 1910, you know. Right. Um, and so it's just him peering into the McDonald's as you see um, everyone else, so like the adults, the kids, everyone in there wearing like clothing of the time so a stark difference 1980s clothing exactly um and so then right then you can see it just looks like it's a kid who's like time traveling basically with his clothes of the time and now looking at these people dressed in the 80s where yeah it's very anachronistic it feels out of place it feels really weird and you're just like, why aren't people buying this guy like a dollar hamburger? Come on. Yeah, like nobody cares about Joe throughout the movie. In fact, other kids just beat him up for believing, believing in, in Santa. Santa. Yeah, and supporting Santa. It's not a bad, it's good movie. And it's not a bad, it's just bad. It's just a bleh movie. Now, the ranking, we might need your help with because... I'm a little torn. I'll explain kind of my side of how I see things, and then Mike can explain his. We may kind of agree. Let's see. Let's see where this goes. So how I'm thinking is definitely Catwoman is still the worst movie. By far. By far. <laughs> Christian Mingle comes next in worseness. And then I'm thinking Santa Claus would come next, and then Morbius. Now... 
this is where kind of the issue comes up for me. So I would per- like the way I made this list is I'm thinking I would rather watch Morbius again than Santa Claus. But Morbius, I've already categorized as a bad movie and I still hold by it that it is a bad movie. Whereas this Santa Claus movie, I don't think it's bad. It's just slow. Like like the bad things that we came up with, it kind of took us a long time to come up with five. Um, you know, they are bad, but not as bad or as... Um, perplexing I guess than what happened in Morbius so then this makes me see think that we almost need two lists at this point like an actual bad movie list in the order of badness and a list that's like well people have said these are bad movies and we're basically saying hey it's actually not a bad movie yeah I I don't know if I would say we need two lists because this movie, it still isn't good. I I mean, Catwoman is by far the worst that we've seen. Christian Mingle is the next worst. Uh, then I agree with Jess that this probably goes uh, in front of Morbius and then Morbius uh, as the uh, the least worst movie we want we watched. I don't want to say it's the best movie we've watched. I don't want to use any positive terms Legit. for Morbius or uh, really any of these movies that we've watched. But I think it's because Morbius isn't as boring as this movie is. Morbius is boring. Uh, that was one of the things we pointed out while we were watching it, but. This movie is really just meh. Morbius goes lean. While I don't think Morbius is a so bad it's good movie, it leans further towards that category than Santa Claus does. So while Santa Claus might be a better made movie, the experience of watching it isn't as good as the experience of watching Morbius. Not that there's, you would get a good experience watching Morbius because I don't think Morbius goes all the way to so bad it's good. I guess it really just boils down to, I would have more fun watching Morbius than I would watching this movie again. And not because Morbius is good, but because it's less bleh even though it is itself bleh. That, that's kind of what this movie is. It's like potato salad. It's just kind of there. Say, I completely agree with everything Mike just said. The thing that I'm still hung up, though, on, because, babe, Morbius, bad or good movie? No, that's a bad movie. Bad. Uh, Christian Mingle, bad or good movie? It's a terrible movie. <laughs> Catwoman, bad or good movie? Probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life, yep. Santa Claus, bad or good movie? I don't know. It's not a bad movie. I don't want to say it's a good movie, though. It's just a not a bad movie. <laughs> See, I agree. I don't think it's bad. So then how, if we're... Because the way I'm picturing in, in my mind is our list is on the spectrum of badness. Most likely... The bad, it's just bad movies are on the worst side of the spectrum. And so bad, it's good movies will be on 
the better side of the spectrum. I think it's more like a horseshoe where... (laughs) Sorry, a horseshoe? So terrible movies that are terrible are going to be in the middle of the horseshoe. Good movies are up here, right? Meh movies are down here, but then so bad it's good. Keep going along the bad spectrum till they come back around again. So so bad it's good movies. I mean, think of the movie The Room. That is the worst movie possibly ever made (laughs) and it's hilarious it's amazing i've seen it like 10 times and it's because you know think of a line where like the worst movies ever made are here and the best movies ever made are over here now think if we took that line and turned it into a horseshoe where the worse a movie gets the more enjoyment you're going to get out of watching it so the enjoyment level it's like a parabola on a, where the x-axis or the y-axis is enjoyment level and the x-axis is how bad the movie is. And it ends up being a parabola, right? And so if your uh, movie isn't bad at all, a zero, then you're going to get a lot of enjoyment at watching it. If your movie keeps going further and further down the bad level, you're going to get less enjoyment, less enjoyment until you get to somewhere between good and bad where you're going to get the, you know, where it crosses the, the vertex. Yeah, the vertex at zero, but, which is where this movie is. But what you're explaining is a bad to good spectrum. Yeah, and I mean, the but, bad to bad spectrum goes <laughs> the same way. But if it's a bad to bad, then this movie's not on there. Because it's not bad. It wouldn't be one of our inputs in our parabola, babe. I mean, if we want to create a list of movies that actually weren't bad, we could. But, I mean, this movie is so meh that this conversation is making me angry <laughs> that like i don't want to spend my time talking about right. the madness yeah right it I is think, so bland uh, it's i think i'm just thinking about this because of how you know by mm, training i guess it's just with all the math stuff where everything how things are defined is very important and so categorizing something that we're not calling a bad movie in a list of bad movies is where it's like does the category need to change why don't we just change category to list of movies we've watched (laughs) by what the enjoyment that we got out of it right because we got less enjoyment out of watching cat woman and christian mingle those are worse we got more enjoyment out of watching Morbius and no, cause these are the, what movies are the worst. Cause I got more enjoyment watching Catwoman than watching. I agree. This. And so I just think what it is. Wife is overthinking per usual, but I definitely like hearing this us- movie doesn't warrant this much <laughs> conversation. And I love hearing that. It's just so funny when Mike flips his shit every so often because he's very cool like a cucumber. And then there'll be the most random things that he gets passionate about. Um, all right. So we want to hear your thoughts for sure. What do you think Definitely, about the, this is gonna the, be the most. I think this is going to be the most divisive movie on the list, which <laughs> it doesn't deserve to be. I it know. doesn't deserve this much attention. So, hey, maybe there'll all of a sudden be a cult following. Oh, no, <laughs> it doesn't deserve it. Be- 
Hey, I don't know. I, I liked the Santa, the Santa Claus in there. But anyway, all right, all right. Moving on from our ranking list. Um, so there were a lot of big actors in there. Um, Dudley Moore, we already talked, like Mike already brought up how he's a big comedian in England. To be honest, I didn't recognize anything that he was in except one thing, um, he narrated The Adventures of Milo and Otis, super cute movie from way back in the day, um, but we knew he was just a, a big character. Yeah, he was- Or a, a big actor, rather. Yeah, he was a bigger actor in the 60s. Um, he kind of went a little bit away in the 70s, and so he was still a big name as a comedian and everything else uh, when he was picked for this movie because they wanted somebody- light-hearted and happy to be the elf um so they went with him yeah then another person that you've probably all heard of is john lithgow he's been in a bunch of stuff um so kind of like the biggest things that i just know him from and you know again on imdb you can look and there's he's in a bunch of stuff but he's um in third rock from the sun a tv show he played the voice of lord farquaad in shrek lord farquaad because that's their way of getting around saying lord fuckwad in a kid's movie legit is that the reason yes it is okay that's that was hilarious. written by mike myers that's hilarious did not know that um and then he was the preacher in footloose yes that's the biggest thing <laughs> the one who did not like dancing yes he had to ban dancing in the small town poor poor kevin bacon had difficulty dancing um and then dave david huddleston did not know this man's name, but boy, is he in a lot of stuff. He was Santa Claus in this movie. Oh, yeah. So he played Santa in this movie. Uh, the best thing that Mike and I found out is he was in an episode of Always Sunny. He was actually in the Christmas episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He did not play Santa Claus in that. Um, he was, yeah, he was the guy who Frank screwed over his old business partner and who wanted to get Frank to convert to Christianity. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's the greatest show ever on put on television. If you've never seen it, hit pause, binge watch the entire thing, and then come back to this podcast. Honestly, it is really, really funny. Um, oh, my gosh. It's so good. Uh, we do a lot of, like bring up a lot of those jokes in the podcast already and we definitely will <laughs> in the future so of course i do recommend w recommend watching it it is so good so funny um but anyway so he is in an episode of always sunny he is actually the big lebowski in the big lebowski yes and then he's in a ton of TV shows for like one or two episodes. TV shows that are huge that even if you haven't seen it, you've heard of the show before. So just a few examples. There's a lot more than this li than what I'm listing now. So he's in The West Wing, Gilmore Girls, Judging Amy, The Practice, Walker, Texas Ranger. With Chuck Norris. Baby. The Wonder Years. Columbo and Murder She Wrote. Again, this is only just like a handful of TV shows that he's appeared on. So he's a he's a pretty big guy, and he did a really good job playing Santa. I, I liked him. Yeah, he did. He didn't do a bad job. 
Yeah, so babe, what movie are we watching next? Okay. The next movie that has been randomly selected to watch will definitely be a bad movie. There is not going to be any controversy. It was a movie filmed in 1983 and then released in 2020. It stars Charlie Sheen alongside George Clooney. It is a sequel to a movie we have not seen on the podcast yet, possibly our first sequel we've done on the podcast. It is called Grizzly 2 The Revenge. You can watch that on Amazon Prime with paid subscription. You can pay money to watch it from Redbox, Voodoo, YouTube, uh, Google Play, and Apple TV. But for the love of God, do not pay money to watch Grizzly 2. If you do end up paying money, the cheapest would be Redbox starting at $1.99. And then it moves up from there. <laughs> yeah, the most expensive would be three ninety nine on YouTube. Um, but yeah, the movie is called Grizzly to the Revenge. So if you want to send us your thoughts prior to that, you can go to our Discord server, Tragedies on Screen. You can go to our Instagram page, Tragedies on Screen as well. And we also have a Facebook page, which, as you've probably guessed by now, is called Tragedies on Screen. You could also send us an email at tragediesonscreen at gmail.com. So send us your thoughts about Grizzly to the Revenge. And please send us your thoughts about where this movie, the, or Santa Claus the movie, not the Santa Claus, that's a different movie. But please send us your thoughts about where Santa Claus the movie should be on our movie ranking list. And whether or not we should create a completely separate <laughs> list for movies on the list that aren't actually bad. But I have a feeling looking at the list of bad movies that this might be the only movie that gets its own list. Uh, This movie didn't warrant nearly as much controversy or argument as we gave it because it's just we agree that it's a very boring movie and movies like this should not be talked about. But anyway, I found it important enough. So we talked about it. We did. (laughs) Um, also starting this week, we will be beginning a YouTube channel where we record our first reaction to the new movie. So we will watch the trailer of Grizzly to the Revenge, which we have not seen yet. I never even heard of this movie. Honestly. Or Grizzly 1. Exactly. So we will play the trailer, record our reactions, and so on the on our YouTube page or our YouTube channel, you'll be able to see the trailer and see our reactions at the same time. Yes. So if you go to our YouTube page, once we have that up, It is, again, called Tragedies on Screen. Um, You will be able to watch the trailer kind of with us as we react to it and talk about what our first impressions of the movie with Charlie Sheen and George Clooney will be. And if really you're not interested in seeing the trailer, seeing our first reactions, you should at least come to check out my freaking awesome hair. Guys, 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 guys. I dyed my hair red and green for you know Christmas. Half my head is green, half my head is red. Did it myself, so come and check out the hair if that's the only thing you're interested in. 
Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Leave a comment. Say how cool it looks. You'll be able to see what we look like. That too. That too. You've only heard our voices up till now. Exactly. We could be supermodels. (laughs) My wife is a supermodel. (laughs) No. But my hair looked dope, though. So grab your popcorn and watch Grizzly 2 The Revenge with us next week. This has been Tragedies Tragedies on on Screen. screen. Poor reindeer. Oh, no. Oh, they're losing their grip. Turn that kind of looks like. Oh, the reindeer is dead. Yeah, because of you, you idiot. What? <laughs> She's dying of frostbite. Santa Claus killed his wife. Why is she? Oh. Now Santa is dying. What the hell is happening? <laughs> An overconfident man killed two reindeer himself and his wife poor reindeer the movie elf conscious oh with the elf puns if I found a whole race of people who knew who I was and knew I was coming to see them and were spying on me, I'd be, uh, freaked the fuck out, man. Or at least ask a lot more questions. Right. Oh, God, that's a pretty big thing to throw on somebody. You right? will. You are now immortal. Oh, God. They're, like, holding his beard up. They're taking their hats off. Hail, Santa. Like when the dyslexics sell their soul to Santa. What are you talking about? Oh, sell their soul to Santa. I'm seeing. They are in awe of this man, Dumbledore. Gandalf. Definitely Gandalf. The prophecy. Yeah. Like they had cocaine or something. Yep, reindeers on cocaine. That'll certainly make anyone fly. It's that magic dust they're using. I mean, when they threw it on the whiteboard, it turned it into snow. So yeah, coke, yo. And he can go so fast. He can deliver all the presents in one night. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the gold flex may be cocaine. Exactly, straight up cocaine. Oh no! The reindeer is afraid of height. (laughs) 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 So now he's on a diet. (laughs) That's kind of cute. That's how you are with celery, too. Yep. I hate celery. I hate anything green. (laughs) 
Except or any of the other colors of vegetables. Or orange, or red, except for red meat. Now we're in the 20th century, still a century behind reality. Oh no! Oh, it's breaking down. He needs some quality assurance on these bad boys. He does, and he needs preventative maintenance, and he's not doing it. Oh my god, it's gonna blow up, bro. It is. Okay, so now it's definitely not, like, early 1900s. This is later 1900s. Why does that kid look like he's from the early 1900s? I know, 1900s? he looks like he's from, like, a Christmas carol. Coca-Cola. Santa Claus only drinks Coca-Cola. <laughs> oh no, Santa's gonna deliver toys that are broken. I'm gonna deliver defective toys. Kids are gonna sue Santa Claus. Right. Yo, yo, yo. Oh, darn, there's this kitty cat. You didn't try it in like an open plane or something? I know, it's bring him right into building. a building. <laughs> darn, he's cute. Hey, kid, I know you're homeless. I'm just going to leave you here. Bye-bye now. Legit. Oh, no, they're going to fall apart. Oh, the quality control. The kids are crying. Mass hysteria. It's Red Wagon. Oh, no. His Christmas present got... That one's going to need a lot more than his Why are they beating up this guy? What the fuck? On a cassette. A cassette, babe. Oh, now they're getting physically violent over Santa Claus. No. You just You made didn't. busted toys, bruh. What the hell is in it? There's nails in the Noise panda! And glass. <laughs> nails and glass. Patch has terrible... Terrible decision-making skills. <laughs> what the hell? Cocaine. Exactly. So he is clearly Mr. Evil Capitalist Man. Whereas Santa Claus is red and so clearly believes in communism. I've eaten too much moose. Looks like it. A puce lollipop. Puce lollipop. Haha, I love you so much, kid. But yeah, here, stay out on the street. Aw, oh, gee, because that's what kids in the 80s said. What the hell? Oh, it makes kids fly. They put cocaine in the goddamn lollipop. Alright, get back to it. Why? We can say we watched it. Nobody on the podcast will ever know. <laughs> we can make up whatever we want. That's not no. We can be like, yeah, that's when Santa Claus murdered... <laughs> John Lithgow! <laughs> Just a picture of him. <laughs> evil picture of him. Again, with a cigar. <laughs> yes, looking very evil. They are beating you over the head with the fact that John Lithgow is an asshole in this movie. Oh no, two small children overheard our plans for our business, which seem perfectly legit and legal. I know, exactly. He didn't hear an explosion? No, no, he didn't hear an explosion, babe. He was asleep on the shelf. So this is when he escapes to a small town in the south. <laughs> and starts judging dancing very seriously. I mean, and becomes Kevin Bacon's foe. 
If Kevin Bacon started dancing like that in my town, I'd want to stop all dancing too. Hey, I like the dancing. <laughs> he really elfed up this time. Wow, they kidnapped a child. Yup. Oh, no, oh, they're, no, they're have the sink. They have the flu. Oh, he's gonna fly! Oh my god, he's eating too many. He might kill himself. Beeping intensifies. <laughs> How is it the only way? Doesn't even make any sense. And they're exhausted and they couldn't do it last time. Well, it's because Donner was scared. Well, I guess the super duper looper worked, but... There were many other <laughs> better ways you could have handled that. He's like, yeah, I'll just take this kid. <laughs> what in the hell? Now Santa Claus is keeping Cornelia hostage, pretty much. I mean, she has a nanny that actually cares about her. Exactly. John Lithgow is in space. <laughs> Thus, third rock from the sun. Yes! Starts. 